welcome to the latest episode of Weighed In, where we kick off the week with another sombre tone, really, after what's been a pretty historic week, with obviously the news of Her Majesty the Queen passing on. That news came through on Thursday early evening um, at the age of 96. And of course, I mean, it goes without saying that she's literally been one of the loyalist supporters we could ever wish for in racing. Uh, you know, her unwavering commitment to the sport across decade after decade has seen her not only experience and enjoy personal successes on the track but also on a wider level for the sport of horse racing I just don't think we could have wished for a more significant and important public supporter and ally than Her Majesty the Queen and so her passing is very sad on loads of levels, um, you know, and you don't have to be a royalist or a fan to respect Her Majesty the Queen because she in in our sport because she's just been so important to the industry, Kevin. And it's it's been a bit of a sad week and a strange week. Yeah, a surreal week, really. Um, I was obviously in England for the duration, so I kind of got to you be a little bit removed from it if if you're back home, you know, but. Um, like you say, like just on a human level, you know, to, to reach that age and having to having been so active and functional, like up right up until the very end, like, you know, it's not, of course, it's sad, but what a life to have lived, you know, and I suppose I would have been ignorant of a lot of her, um, her earlier endeavours during her reign there. And I've, I'm now not so much having watched plenty of the plenty of the, the, the programmes that have been going out in recent days, like uh, what a life she lived and just in a racing sense, you know, you've said it there, you know, she's been a, a huge supporter of the sport, which is, which is massive for her, given that she's like quite literally one of the most famous people in the world for the last whatever, for her, pretty much her whole life. And um, it's something that I personally, I would have been a small bit um, almost sceptical of, you know, people would say, in, you know, over the years, you know, God, what a loss the Queen will be to racing when, when she does eventually pass. But I've got so much of a greater appreciation for it in recent years, especially dealing with more um, internationally based people, you know, American people, you know, people from the Middle East, especially associated with the royal families there. They, they put so much stock in, in the British royal family and a, a huge draw to British racing for them is the, the possibility that they might get access to the Queen you know, through having success, you know, so I don't, I wouldn't underestimate the impact that, that her, that, that, that her death will have in, in that sense on, on our sport and industry, but um, just a sad week, somber week. Um, and, and yeah, very surreal. You were there with me at Sodal on Thursday when it was announced, Vanessa, it was ex- just extremely odd and, and sad. You see the, the range of reactions and getting turfed out of Sodal. It was quite an interesting experience. And then the, the, I suppose where we were in Doncaster, we were kind of in the middle of all, all the stakeholders were up in Doncaster and the, the, the talks about um, when racing was going to restart and all the, the many, many considerations that went into that decision. Um, I think they got it right. I think they got it very right, to be honest, the way they did it, restarting on Sunday with a, with a fantastic card at, at Doncaster. And um, yeah, I, I think the sport got it right. We, we've got it wrong a few times. I suppose most notably, you know, well, I don't want to say I was going to say COVID, um, Cheltenham uh, wasn't necessarily, you know, it's a difficult situation, but we probably got it wrong, um, and I think this was a potential trapdoor, and I think they very much got it right. But and um, you could talk about all the, the the bigger picture stuff all day, but just the the nuts and bolts of this is just a, a very sad loss, um, and and a sad loss for racing. Yeah, absolutely. And and Tony, like what Kevin said, you know, it's, it's very hard to get these calls right. And the bosses um, at the BHA and other stakeholders, too, obviously, will have had a very difficult decision in terms of working out what was the best steps going forward. Obviously, the Southern card was called off immediately and then there was quite a lot of unknown. But do you concur with Kevin that you feel like racing got uh, struck the right tone? Yeah, I mean, I see it's... If, if we lost the weekend, we lost the weekend. It's just, you know, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime happening, isn't it? And, yeah, so I've got no qualms with what happened there. And, obviously, on Sunday, racing was treated to, uh, you know, to a superb day of racing. What, I mean, I've got nothing more to add about the Queen, but I, th- I think she was so loved because, you know, she, quite bizarrely, she didn't have a sense of entitlement about her, did she? She she just, I mean, I, I'm... Have you seen shots of Prince Charles, you know, the accession, et cetera? I mean, 
You know, she just had a very, seemingly a very happy persona, easygoing, you know, didn't uh, didn't demand anything of, of anybody. So, yeah, I think that's why she was so loved. And I think her loss is only really going to, going to hammer home to um, to racing crowds at Royal Ascot. I mean, is Royal Ascot going to be the same? Um, you know, she's been, obviously she's been, she's been there since she was, she, she was queen for, you know, for decades upon decades. And, you know, if Royal Ascot next year will be, will be very, very odd without her. And, and perhaps the love for Royal Ascot won't be there from the crowd as much, but uh, no, it'd be, it'd be quite surreal next year. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how things do play out, in, not only in the long term, like you've touched upon there, but also just in the short term as well. Um, we will await and see, but it is a very sad loss. Now, of course, racing was called off on the Friday and Saturday in England, but uh, Irish Champions weekend kicked off at Leopardstown, and we can start there for our weekend review because we have so much to get through. Mm. Um Let's kick off with the big race of the day at Leopardstown. Of course, that was the Irish champion stakes. Luxembourg beating Vadini and co. Um, reflections on the race, Kevin. Were you expecting that from him? No, no. Like, um, <laughs> were, like, am I right in saying you were a bit lukewarm on him after his comeback? No, I, I was probably happier than most, but I thought it was perfectly satisfactory and obvious scope for him to improve. But in my mind, approaching this... It wasn't so much that I thought he couldn't win, but I was thinking, God, they'd probably be delighted if he finished staying on third, you know, with a view to his next run, uh, because it, it, did, it did look a bit of an ask. Like, we, we, we didn't really know how good he was, you know, because we didn't get the chance to see his, his three-year-old career develop like you like you, like you like to with, with your classic prospects, because he missed all that time. So it, it seemed a big ask, um, and, and like he delivered. You know, Ryan got a beautiful, smooth passage on him, and he, he was good and hardy and, and like he, he beat the right horses, didn't he? You know, Vadini did, didn't get the smoothest passage in contrast to, to, the, to the spin he'd had around Sandown. But, you know, I wouldn't like to call him unlucky now. And um, Onesto, you know, his form was working out brilliantly all weekend. You know, he, yeah. he'd been behind Vadini and the British Hockey Club. But, um, Jesus, look at look at the way that um, the Grand Prix de Paris has been working out. You know, it was won by Onesto, who did what he did at Leopardstown. Second was um, Sim Camille, who won the, the pre-neal pre yesterday. And fourth was Elder Elderoff, who, um, who won the ledger. So, you know, that looks a very strong piece of form. And Onesto took his form forward here again, ran a smasher. Mishriff, you know, ran, ran fine. He, he wasn't at his best, clearly. Um, Alan Kerr, well below form. But... Yeah, I think I think it was a real good effort from Luxembourg. You wouldn't be surprised if he came forward again. And great to hear that the, that the arc is very much on the agenda and a potential blockbusting clash with Baid. We'll just need a little bit of luck on the weather front to uh, to make this happen. But God, if it did happen, all of a sudden that arc is looking very spicy altogether. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it really is looking like, I mean, we're all just praying for Baid, but if Luxembourg does go there as well, then, yeah, like you say, uh, incredibly tasty. Tony, do you, how, I want to know how you rank this Irish champion stakes race as a whole. I mean, do you think this is top class form or are you taking a bit more of a negative view on it? No, I, I think the arc, I was looking at the arc as being a very, very weak race uh, a few weeks back uh, without Baid. Baid, the exchange price Baid, 4.7 at the moment, suggests he's, <clears throat> he's he's well odds against the run because he will be, a, I think he's four to six chance with a run, isn't he? So if he's seven to two all in on the exchange, it tells you he is, you know, considerably more likely not to go than go. Um, but no, it, it's really warming up a bit. I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't, uh, I didn't have a view on Luxembourg going into the race. Um, I thought his, his price of nine to two when he got backed in a bit was was what he was. So I didn't really have an opinion either way. But uh, after the race, I think I think he's far too short for the arc. Um, I've seen him, I think he's about 6.6, 11 to two on the exchange for that. Um, I'd be much more inclined to uh, go with Ernesto. Ernesto's currently 16s on the exchange. And given what Kevin said about the Grand Prix de Paris form, um, you know, you know, he's proven it a mile for hardly anything in it on, on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to take a Nesta over a, a Luxembourg uh, all day long, you know, nearly three times the price on the exchange. So, yeah, I, I've, I've, probably, I've had a little nibble at 17 and 18 
on the exchange Ernesto for the arc, and you know I, I bet two after the weekend. Are you going to reveal to us? Um, yeah, we probably, we, probably have, we probably won't have time to touch upon the arc trials. I mean, they didn't throw up a great deal, but um, obviously, as Kevin said to me, the, the Grand Prix de Paris form was franked uh, for Ernesto. But no, I was I was quite taken by La Parisienne in, in the Prix de Mai. Obviously, that's been probably the best trial in France in, in recent years. And I think Le Parisienne was a very, very unlucky loser in the pre Mai, having his having her first start since just touched off by Nashuar in the French Oaks. Um, yeah, I, I, I was really taken by that. She was 40s this morning. Um, she's around about 38 on the exchange. Uh, yeah, I've I, I've had a I've had a fair interest on the Parisienne, hoping you know she goes. I've ne- I actually had a look at the breeding. I've never heard of the uh, the sire before, uh, Arga Khan Zarek. Um, oh yeah, but yeah. He's, he's out of uh, he's out of Zarkava. He's actually a very promising sire. He's get he's he's young, like his oldest are three year olds. But he's he's really getting roll rolling now. He'd be one of the most promising sires in yeah. France, young sires in France. I couldn't place the horse, but he, then I went back and had he's won the Grand Prix de Paris, so he's you know he's you know he's got plenty of stamina there, even though. We have a very nice Zarak cult going to book one, so stay tuned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't that wasn't teed up. But no, I, I like I said, I I, I, think, I think you know around about forties on the exchange for La Parisienne. Uh, I think she's gone under the radar a little bit there. She like she got in all sorts of trouble on the end. She didn't get a run for about a couple of furlongs. She got out and she would have won in another fifty yards. Only got beaten two next. Look, the form of the race isn't strong whatsoever. But given it was a you know it's a typical French prep, isn't it? You know, given the summer off after that uh, head second to Nashville in the French Oaks, and uh, I thought um, I thought it was a standout run. I thought she's a standout bet at the price. Okay, a couple of arc bets for Tony and not necessarily the ones that you would have been expecting either. Uh, I, for one, was very taken with Luxembourg. Um, I think more so than a few others sort of saw a bit of reaction and I think he just divides opinion a touch, but I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, but for me, performance of the weekend, and in this review we are bouncing around Saturday, Sunday, and further back into Doncaster as well, but we bounce on to Sunday now at the Curra because performance, yeah, of the weekend for me was Highfield Princess in the flying five at the Curra. I just I don't know what more I can say about her she's just incredible third group one on the bounce three different countries she's a sprinting superstar clear cut for me this season uh she's now seven to four from four to one for the Breeders Cup turf sprint which is I think well it does seem to be where she's going to be where she's going to go and Kevin like just when you think she can't get any more impressive as we said after York she gets more impressive again. I think this was more a, a more impressive performance than the nun thought. It's really unusual, like because she, you know, she has the profile she has, but like I just, I can't get the memory of her reappearing at Chelmsford back in February <laughs> and like looking gone. Like she, she, she was odds on. So she ran to about seventy five, and you're like, oh, okay, you're you're getting covered soon, love. You're clearly gone at the game. <laughs> Here we are. Is that, one of your, is that one of your chat lines in Golden? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting covered soon, love. Grim. grim. <laughs> oh god, don't don't ex- don't excite the listeners, TC. <laughs> but yeah, uh, six months later, she's just pulled off the most remarkable Group One treble. Um, you know, I don't know if there's been anything to win three Group Ones in three Group One sprints in the space of whatever five weeks. Um, God, I can't recall off the top of my head, you know, to go from kind of good to firm ground at, at York to testing ground at the Curra, you know, six and a half in, in the Morris de Geese. And um, it seems to be kind of getting better, weirdly, you know, because again, a little bit like York, you know, she was she was traveling, you know, she was really traveled through this race very strongly. And while there was a brief moment when you think she might be vulnerable, she just powers away in the final furlong. So, but that brief moment. It, it literally lasts about two strides just yeah. whilst Jason pulls the whips through. And as soon as he gives the one behind the saddle, as soon as he actually gets down and says, come on, love, we've got to go put this to bed. I mean, it's so, I think for me anyway, it's just so rare you see a horse literally scoot clear in a group one sprint like that. And that's what she does. She accelerates to the line. Yeah, she's come the whole way across the track pretty much as well while doing it just to just to add insult to, to defeat for the rest, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the Breeders' Cup shout's interesting. That was left field. I wasn't expecting that um, because they have like 
plenty of, I suppose, more obvious options, you know, the Abbey and the sprint, the champion sprint at Ascot, you know, would have been very obvious options for her. So um, I, I assume her connections just kind of want a bit of, maybe give her a small freshen up uh, and go on a bit of an adventure because, you know, as versatile as she is, you know, this will be different again, you know, five and a half furlongs around Keeneland um, is a very different test. It's a real speed focused test. And um, one assumes um, always dangerous to do so, but you, you assume it'll be fast ground, you know, in against some very fast horses. So it's, it's punchy. I like it. It'll be interesting. Not necessarily what I would have done, but I'm a bit more conservative maybe, but it'll be, it'll well, be fascinating. Yeah, but I think that probably comes from the fact that, uh, you know, A, what do they have to lose? Like, they've won a Group 1 in France, England and Ireland. They're sporting people. She's a homebred. Whether they send her to the sales or not, I don't know what they're going to do with her. Of course, they could breed from her at home, but, like, she's such a valuable thing now that, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a total surprise to see her go to the sales at the end of the year, maybe. And... You know, I guess they're probably looking at it, Tony, and thinking, literally, what do we have to lose? The expenses are going to be paid. They, she's won the in and your the win in your in race. Um, why not? We're at a million dollars. If I was, yeah. if why I was, luck, if I was lucky, lucky enough to and rich enough to own, you know, horses and uh, and a horse like that, I would, I would go like, I would go all around the world, I'd just like. You know, expand the boundaries. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, what, go to the Abbey, where you can't even probably see the finish. You know, what I mean, just go there to the Breeders' Cup. And if you're an owner, experience you know, experience that yeah. week of a Breeders' Cup. It's it's not only about the horse; it's about you know lifetime experiences for the owners as well. So you know, they'll exactly. get treated like royalty out in, in Keeneland. Two 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 other points about that. I mean, I waited till September 11th for my worst bet of the year. I actually laid Highfield Princess for a place at 1.6 and. I had, wow. uh, and it was like, no, I'm just like giving money away there. And, but like I say, and, and interesting, we got the, the big race of the, the coming day, uh, the coming uh, week is the Air Gold Cup. And the second there, Eros and Syke, um, another, another Paddy Toomey, you know, experiment going ridiculously well there, isn't the way, the way that one's improved. She's actually, she'll be running off a mark of 100 at air on Saturday if they confirm her for the race. We're, we're recording this at midday. On Monday, so we don't know if, if she's in the race yet, but uh, if, if if that one's in the race, so uh, if it goes there, it'll be bidding to you know emulate Son of Rest, who finished second in the Flying Five and dead heated for the Air Gold Cup in 2018, when ridiculously well in. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Paddy Toomey goes to wear on on Saturday because uh, she's uh, that horse is now the six to one favourite. Nice, another bit of anti-post interest from Tony after these group ones that were run at the weekend. Uh, going forward, plenty to yeah be intrigued about. Uh, on to Tahira, Kevin. Um, again, like I, I think the boys said it on Racing TV. I was watching it back on that channel, and they were saying, you know, just after Highfield Princess, you don't you think you, get, you won't get a more impressive performance? And then Tahira comes along and wins the Moigler the way she did for Chris Hayes. <laughs> Dermot Weld, um, literally like a piece of work. And the front two pulling so far clear of the rest of the field. Credit to meditate. But, I mean, the confidence Chris Hayes had that he was going to come down the middle of the track and catch it, of which he did. Rare you see that sort of confidence with a, t- with a horse of this profile, e.g. a two-year-old just, a, you know, so early on in her career. Yeah, she was electric now, wasn't she? Uh, like, in fairness, she'd been, we, we spoke about it on Friday. Like, she'd been very, very good at Galway. Um, at a time when Dermot Wells just just couldn't have winners, and she looked the proper one that day. And the Well team are now you know very much booming again. And this this was this was very good, wasn't it? Like she she beat the right one and meditate who, who didn't do anything wrong at all. Bar get beat, you know yeah. she's probably she's probably run close to what she did in the debutante. She's pulled yeah. well clear of the rest, but the, but this this other yokers <laughs> looked looked a different species, didn't she? Um, like she she's bred to be very good clearly. Um, but this was a proper performance now. Um, great for Yaga Khan to have a, a winner on this day. You know, massive sport of the Curra and Irish racing for a long, long time. The the new stand of the Curra is named after him. You know, he, he's played a huge role in, in all of that. So um, for him to have a Group 1 winner on, on, the, on this day but made it um, all the sweeter for all involved, I'm sure. And yeah, she, lo- she looks a real one. Now, one thing I'd say is I see she's been cut in fairly short for the thousand guineas. Um, Three to one we, from 20s. Yeah, would, would really be Dermot Wells' thing now with a filly? 
Um, wouldn't really be his thing to 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 be trying to fire one up for it. I know he's had a two thousand guineas winner before, but um, really the way he trains and the way like anyone that kind of follows Irish racing will 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 know like if when you go to the the races early in the season, like Dermot Wells are always you know woolly and hairy and and backward in their coats. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it necessarily suits him, and he don't, I don't think he likes doing it. You know, I think he, he likes he, ideally he likes to have, get him around in the trial and then um go for the Irish 1000 guineas. So even if you absolutely love her, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be inclined towards getting involved in the in the 1000 guineas market um, at this stage. Uh, well, like I say, three to one from 20s for that, but she's eight to one from 33s for the Oaks next year. Um, Tony, would you have any interest in in the latter option, really, given what Kevin's just said about the former? No, I don't mind getting involved in a in a race in a month's time, but you know, eight, uh, eight or nine months down the line is not really for me. Um, um, no, but I just echo. I mean, it was an absolutely stunning performance, wasn't it? I, but meditate. I think offhand, I mean, I think when I looked at the, the betting afterwards, the in running bet, I think meditate actually traded at fives on, and it's not hard to not hard to see, is it? Because she kicked clear and. She was pulling clear. She four and a half clearance clear of the third. So meditates won her race, and you know, and she's just been put to bed. Something silly, isn't she? So that is a that is a serious <laughs> horse, isn't it? Serious. Yeah, I think serious is the word indeed. And you know, like I said, after Highfield Princess, just didn't think it could get more impressive. And then she comes and does that, and you just think, God, we're really being treated, which is exactly what Irish Champions Weekend is all about. And it was great to see. For me personally, I just love that we saw some real top class before what felt like really special performances over the weekend. You know, that's what it's meant to be about. And she was one of them. Yeah. Um, we're talking about, we, 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 on Saturday, we haven't mentioned the likes of Pearls Galore, Jadumi, August Rodin. The, you know, when, we, when, we, we, when we briefly covered Saturday, that's how deep in quality the, the weekend yeah, racing yeah. was. Yeah, no, absolutely terrific over there. Um, and in a strange way, you know, because of events in here in the UK, it actually meant that, you know, Irish Champions Weekend's got full coverage on racing TV, which, you know, does add to it when you're watching it from home. I was going to say, um, how how pleasurable was it to just like on Saturday just have one meeting? Like, I don't know if we're allowed to say that because of the events that led to the fact that it was only one meeting. Obviously. It's awkward, isn't it? It's awkward, but it's true. It's so true. It's so true. Right? Allowed, I mean, even on Sunday, I mean, obviously you had Chepstow and Longchamp in the mix as well. But, you know, that, you know the, the ITV covering nine races from Doncaster and, and Leperstown, it was just with very, you know, nothing else really getting in the way. It was just a very pleasurable experience when we've got, you know, seven or eight, you know, yeah. meetings on a Saturday. It's, it was just it just shows it, you how the sport can stand alone on very, very little. It makes you real, yeah. It does make you realise that, and it also makes you realise how important giving those good races proper coverage is. Um, because, you know, when I was watching back, like today, I haven't actually watched the ITV coverage. Sorry, Kevin, not yet. I will get around to it. Um, but the racing TV coverage, you know, that in-depth analysis, you just take so much more away from the races. But anyway, uh, let's plough on. Al Riffa, another stick with the two-year-olds, Kevin, in the national stakes for your team, Joseph, Dylan Brown, McDonald. Oh, my God. Oh, come on, Vanessa. <laughs> uh, first group one for him pretty big day a lot of focus on him after the race uh, but let's just talk about the horse's performance supplemented is that right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so obviously you know he went off nine to one but clearly Joseph knew that something it was worth supplementing for the race anyway what were the views beforehand and afterwards please yeah to be honest before he ever ran though he looked at he looked a real one um, because he shouldn't really be, be showing up as well as he has been because he, he's just massive and like he's very much next year's horse and, and his debut was just so promising like it was as promising a debut as, as you'd ever see in defeat like massive sectional upgrade and just the, the way he did it like he just he said okay like Joseph wasn't really intending on giving him a hard season this time round you know I think the view was right give him two runs in maidens and leave him alone and then he, he did that at the current. He decided he was going to run him back a little bit sooner than he planned at the current, just in case, you know, he was a national stakes horse. Um, and she look, all the pieces have kind of fallen 
Um, the owners were very game in, in supplementing him. They could have run in the, the mile group two at Leopardstown the day before if they wanted, but um, everyone involved decided to have a spin, have a crack at it. Um, fair play to, to Jasson, the owner, for leaving Dylan on as well. Um, like he, He's still technically an apprentice. He's going to win the Apprentice Championship again this season. He's only 19, and a big, big opportunity for him. And he, um, he wouldn't have known it now because he, he rode with loads of confidence, took a pull two out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he's a, he's a good horse, this fella. I, I know the the Philly got all the attention now, but uh, do not let this fella pass you by because he's uh, he he was very very good, and, and he it will be continued to be very good. Um, might go to the Lagadere on Arc Day possibly, but could be put away too. And that's a discussion for this week. But yeah, I thought he I thought he was super impressive. To me, he looked half asleep. In the first half of the race, Dylan gave him a little nudge to wake him up, and he almost woke up too quickly, <laughs> and all of a sudden was was powering for him. And like I said, he took a little pull, and then when he asked him to go, he went. And yeah, very, very, very sweet. Great for Dylan, young guy, like has been a considered a bit of a prodigy since he was a child. Um, and despite all the attention he was getting, like National Geographic made a documentary about him when he was twelve. You know, yeah. despite despite it's worth watching. Actually, it's on YouTube. It's called Five Stone of Lead. It's only like five minutes long, but it's really really good. And uh, despite all that kind of attention, I I don't like kids getting that much attention. To be honest, like publicly, because I think it can send them the wrong way. Um, yeah. but him mentally, like he's just he's he's iron, and he didn't let it affect him. And um, yeah, he he's only going one way. Um, yeah, really, yeah, very satisfying on many levels. <laughs> For a guy, just a side note on Dylan here, for a guy that like, you know, champion apprentice, now he's on a group one, but this was eventually before that. But I mean, you know, be a guy that's in the public eye in our small racing world. And, you know, I'm sure he's probably got lots of various sort of PR sponsorship, various offers that I'm sure he would be able to pick up on if he wanted to. Yeah, Kevin pointed out to me at the Racing League that this guy is just mad keen for free kit, essentially, which I thought was like a random, a random thing for this lad to be keen on, right? So when I he told Kevin told me about that at Windsor. And when I saw Dylan at Southern, he was about to go on and do a piece before obviously everything happened that night. And they said to him, oh, he, and, and that's it, no, sorry, I didn't even raise it with him. He said to me, I was wearing a green cap and he said oh where'd you get those from any chance (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was like okay a like you could buy a cap pal like i'm pretty sure you could buy a cap but also like you're on the team surely someone gave you a cap and see like what is this whole situation with you being obsessed with free gear like perhaps he's he's just rounding up all the uh racing league memorabilia and he's gonna just burn it all so uh Or sell it all. I mean, I have heard people, yeah, yeah, yeah. those those caps are hard fought for, and I have heard that people are selling them for a tenner in Newmarket. So I said to Dylan, <laughs> I think you're a sharper tool than we all realise, and you're actually just gathering a load of free kit here to sell on eBay in a year's time. Anyway, he seems hopefully, like hopefully his confidence has been done the world of good. So if he gets any shit from Frankie next month, he can knock him out. Right, didn't, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't seem to have an issue with that in the first place, did he? No, uh, no. Um, I, I think uh, it's, it's confidence that that. Uh, that allows you to to kind of leave those situations past without <laughs> without taking <Yeah>. action. <laughs> it doesn't seem too fast. Anyway, all in all, he seems like a really nice guy, but he's just mad keen for free stuff. So you know, there you go. You've taught um, him well, Blake. You've taught him well. Yeah, just get everything you can, lad. Um, Tony, anything to add on Al Riffer? Uh, he's now he's been introduced at ten to one for the two thousand guineas, and. He's a 12 to 1 shot from 33s for the Derby. He's obviously, I mean, he's by Wharton Bassett and out of a Galileo mare. And I presume he only cost 150, I say only, but he cost 150k yeah. at the sales. And, you know, like for a horse that's bred like that, that's not a huge amount of money at book one. It's obviously a huge amount of money, FYI, but not in these uh, these realms. Nothing. And, um, uh, but I guess it's probably, I presume it was probably due to the size of him. I would have thought that he cost that. But in terms of his future prospects, bred like a derby horse could be anything. I mean, yeah. t- Kevin couldn't, see, couldn't, couldn't be more impressed. No, no, obviously very impressive. But, you know, you're talking in terms of classic next May. Uh, I don't really have an opinion at, the, at those prices, but clearly a, a usually promising uh, performer. Okay, well, um, 
Oh, actually, last point on that race, on the national stakes. I mean, Kevin touched upon there that, you know, he probably got a bit lost amid the other good performances from the Phillies on the day. Mm. But was there, was Tony, did you take anything away from the horses in behind? There were a few disappointments, none more so than obviously the gal, the, the favourite. Um, yeah. Like anything, you know, it was messy enough race, anything to take away from it? Uh, obviously, You'd have thought that Aesop's Fables and um, Hans Anderson didn't have the, didn't run their race, but I think the the horse in second's a really promising horse of Donicus as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I even though there are odds on disappointments in the race, I'll be I'll be inclined to take a positive view of the fall. Okay, positive view. What about the Champagne Stakes then, Tony? Um, over the seven at Doncaster, rearranged obviously for the Sunday. Chaldine winning that three runner tactical affair, but. I, I was at for for the sort of race that it was, given mm. that you could say the Godolphin horse didn't perform on the ground yeah. potentially. Um, mm. As of the actual winner doing what he did, I mean, you can't help but be taken with the style of which he won, even if the form or there's no substance there. No, I, I think the market was was indicating that the Godolphin horse was was going to make the running. Um, that's normally when a horse shortens as much as he does. I mean, he was. 10 to 11 into 8 to 13, the Godolphin horse, but, and he has, you know, he's made the running before, but I mean, Chaldin just jumped out and, you know, obviously just never looked like being, being reined in at any point. Um, clearly, I wasn't massively, I, I thought the, I thought the Godolphin horse would, um, you know, Solaria winner would, would, would win that and win that well, but uh, yeah, he, he obviously, he franked the, uh, the York form, extended the winning margin over, over the runner up um, and, I think they're going to go, I think they're looking towards the Dewhurst now, aren't they, rather than the Racing Post Trophy? It looks uh, that way, yeah. Seven to two from eight to one for the Dewhurst. I think Frankie was very keen on the Dewhurst and then sort of Andrew took a bit of a pull on that and said, you know, talk to connections. But yes. seven to two now. I think August Rodan might, because if one horse, I spoke to Ryan um, about both days racing and that was the horse that he was most confident about winning, August Rodan. Um, and I think they're, it sounds like they're leaning towards the other way from, from Chaldean, look, looking to go to um, in, uh, the Vertem Futurity rather than uh, the Dewhurst, but obviously those plans are still up in the air. Yeah, well, like I say, 7-2 for the Dewhurst, and then he's 7-2 from 8-1 to one for the 2000 Guineas Chaldean, which does seem short enough. Um, but that is, you can't. Well, that's what I have written on my giving right. to me from I, I must admit, I, I Barry tend... running order. All right. I, I don't, must admit, I don't tend to look at the classic markets this, this far in advance. No, they don't but engage that doesn't you. Sound right. um, Absolutely. Drop Barry in it there, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, I really have, haven't I? I really have, well, I don't yeah. know if it's true, but if it's not true, it's Barry's fault. <laughs> that was, that was, well, that's, it was 7-2 for the Duke Purse, not for the 2,000 Guinness. That would make more sense. That would make more sense. I was thinking, like, bloody hell. Sure I was not. thinking, Barry, what are you talking about? Yeah, Barry. Come on, Barry. Barry, sort your shit out. Um, Kiprios, the Irish St. Ledger Kev. Um, just as you've always said about this horse, or not always, as you have been saying about him in his races previously, he just always does enough. And there's always a sense that the if he needed to, he'd pull out more. And yet again, he showed that sort of um, those characteristics, I thought, in the closing stages of the Irish St. Ledger. But yet again, he highlights himself as just uh, a proper top. I think he's a top, top, top notch there. Yeah, Tyson Fury would call him a dosser. Yeah, big dosser. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all he does, isn't it? He's, he's very easy, very straightforward, right? Um, clearly ground versatile, um, trip versatile within the, the, the context of a stair. And this was straightforward. You know, Hamish had his conditions. He ran a smashing race, but, but Kiprios is just better. I think he's just better than any stayer, to be honest. He's not a true shan. He's still rated a good few pounds higher than him, um, thanks to his, his Northumberland plate heroics. But, um, yeah, Kiprios the best stayer uh, and, and will be for some time, I suspect. Um, great, great. Again, that was a, bit, a little bit of a theme for me, kind of bigger picture theme at, at, um, at the Curra was that it was great for my glare to have a winner um on this card you know again they've, they've been huge supporters of the car in particular but but irish racing as a whole that they, they you know relayed a new gallop there the free eagle gallop um up the middle of the car and they, they were a big part in funding a lot of the, the the refurbishing and redevelopment of the gallops up there so so you love to see them have a big day and, and eva was there as well and um 
Yeah, full brother and full sister, first and third in the ledger, because uh, Kiprios, of course, is, is a full brother to search for Sam, who um, has won the race a couple of times as well for good measure. Um, so this has been just a, a hugely important family um, for my glare and the, the same mayor, Brett Free Eagle as well. Um, so, yeah. you know, she's been she's been the, the the source of a lot of their big successes for, in the last decade or so. And um, and yeah, this one would have been would have been very sweet. And I, if this horse stays sound, Vanessa, what's going to beat him? What's going to beat him? It does. I, 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 I don't see anything to beat him. Coltrane. <laughs> just throwing it out there um Eldorado Elderoff I don't know like he's gonna Eldorado Elderoff he's gonna he's, it's Jesus Christ the, the horse's name he's gonna I mean it was um it was Dan on our WhatsApp group who flagged up like you know we take the mickey out of the staying division year on year yet this year that next year it's gonna be if they all stay in training they all stay sound it, it's Dan, gonna be Dan, was, Dan was taking the mick because he included Stradivarius on that yeah, well, Bjorn Nielsen reckons they'll smash them all up. Uh, so, yeah. With, no with a better ride, though. With a better ride, obviously. Yeah, he's a, very, yeah. strange, he's a very strange character, he is, isn't he? I don't know why he gets so much airtime. Didn't he after... It wasn't it after... Obviously, I had August off, so I didn't really follow. Didn't it after one after one staying race, he said, oh, oh we have made the run. I was winning quick form one, wasn't it? He said, oh, yeah. no, we were, we were going to make the run in and we would have won that. Yeah, all right, mate. There's, there's, one, way of, there's one way of actually proving that. Run the bloody thing. But can I just point out that once again, Kiprios has won a massive staying race and yet somehow we are still talking about Stradivarius. That's because of Dan Barber's being... Yeah, extraordinary turnaround. But you, you get the impression, you know, stick a 125 rated horse against Kiprios, he'll beat that ahead as well. So unless he runs up against a, a true Shan on top form or... Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. A true Shan on top four. He's never going to rate that highly, isn't he? Because obviously you can't rate that free quarter yeah. length beating of, of true Shan. I mean, we've, we've had it before. I mean, horses are only just doing enough. He's never he's never going to hit a really big figure, you you fear, didn't you? But again, I mean, I think I think his longevity will will trump that because... Yeah, know, let, let's I, start the campaign, TC. We'll, we'll, we'll get him in uh, We'll get him in a Melbourne Cup or at E-Bar and we'll get his rating up. Well, like, <laughs> they, well, that'd, yeah. that'd be good fun, wouldn't it? Apparently, I, always, I always wanted them to run Stradivarius in the E-Bar. It would have been great yeah. fun. Apparently, they're not, they weren't dissing um, the idea of being supplemented for the ARC um, oi, oi. Uh, the weekend. So, But yeah, it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see that. You can actually just see him coming there and just like, Digging deep late on at uh, Longchamp, couldn't you? But yeah, yeah I, th- I thought it would have been very likely pre Luxembourg. Now that they have a big cold to run on it, I, I would consider it unlikely. If, if Luxembourg, if things hadn't gone right there, if they weren't going to go there with him, you could see them rolling the dice and having a go. But now that Luxembourg's on the scene and assuming he stays right, etc., yeah, um, I, I couldn't see them supplementing to run alongside Luxembourg. But sure, look, who knows? I, I think Baid. I think Baid's going to have a big play, a big role in deciding, you know, what whatever, whatever horse, wherever horses go. But yeah, I mean, like I say, it'd be a, it'd be a fascinating contender for the arc. Well, Looks like someone's introduced... going on there, Vanessa. What are you smiling at? You're glancing off to the side there, smiling. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. He's been in He No one else in my house. It's just no <laughs> my house. Am I, I live on my own. Am I Mr. <laughs> boyfriend in August, am I? No, <laughs> you're, Jesus, oh, you're no. showing your hand there, Vanessa. Oh, the last, the last time I was on. The... Look, it's so quick. Who, who's that behind the sofa? No, no one is in my house. I was the last time, but I'm saying it's the last time I was on. You, you just had a first date somewhere. I went on a I went on a date, and since then I've had to issue a refund, Tony. I'm afraid I've sent the package back. I've, I've issued a refund, uh, so that that it's not gone that well for me since we last spoke. But thanks, thanks. Um, and the thing that I was oh, smiling dear. at was actually my dog. Okay, I was laughing at the dog, and oh, yeah. he called me out on it. So there we go. Let's move on. That was a good one-liner, does he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kiprios has been introduced to the 16 to 1 shot, by the way, for the Arc de Triomphe. Let's move on. Stick with the stayers. Eldar, Eldaroth, Kevin, won the St. Ledger. Um, for David Egan, Roger Varian, in what turned out to be a messy race, which we'll get to in due course. But for his performance, um, just reflecting on his performance as a whole, like, 
I mean, I fancied him going into the race. They were quite confident about his chances, connections, given they were sort of very happy to make excuses for a couple of, well, for his defeat in France anyway. And then he comes here and does that. And he's just got such a likable way of going, such a likable attitude. He, I mean, we joke about it. And look, maybe Kiprios will just carry on beating these horses. But he's if he cracks on into the staying division, he's, you know, he's not something to be poo-pooed at, I don't think. Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, yeah they'll get career best of fifth fifth start. You know, I thought it was it was a, it was a strong performance. In fairness, like it yeah. didn't go it didn't go perfectly well for him. Um, no. Like like you say, well, you just, it, it was messy. There was a bit of jockeys going on. Um, David Prober tried to pin in Egan there early in the straight, and, and David had to kind of half bump his way out um, to get clear running. It, it was very messy down the inside, but. But Elder Elderaf was well on top, wasn't he? And um, as mentioned, that, that Grand Prix de Paris form uh, was working out uh, brilliantly well all around him last weekend. Um, and that was over a mile and a half. So getting back to the trip that we, we already knew he stayed um, was clearly a help to him. Um, and look, you know, the St. Ledger has been run for, for a couple of centuries, Vanessa. It's hard to say with certainty, but I'm, I'm fairly sure he's the first St. Ledger winner ever named after a Russian MMA fighter, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. You say um, that pretty confidently and fair play. Yeah. Um, Mars Marvel might have been a wrestler. <laughs> Talk to me. I mean, he's been introduced um, at. Well, no, sorry, he's cut to four to one from ten to one for the long distance cup at Ascot. Uh, at the moment, Kipros is the five to four favourite for that following his performance at the weekend. But um, Tony, let's focus in on the mess in behind. We've touched upon it. Um, we like the winner, but very messy in behind. Haskoy obviously finished second, demoted to third. Um, causing a bit of a mess under Frankie Dettori on the rail, meant that New London, who finished third, um, sorry, demoted to fourth, New London was promoted to third. I mean, very messy, basically. And Frankie's walked away with it with a five-day ban as well. So yeah. um, the stewards were kept plenty busy enough. Mm. Well, yeah, all day Saturday. But they did, actually, because there, the, there was one in the handicap um, when I actually backed a horse quite confidently at six to four to lose the race. Um I couldn't believe it when it when it's uh, it, uh, the, well, the, the winner didn't get thrown out. The, the name escapes me. What was Chipstead and Cal Carmi Ginger? Yeah. yeah, I thought Call Me Ginger was was an odds on shot to get that. I mean, I got six to four, 13 to eight about that. So yeah, if it was a head rather than half a length, I'd say it might have been in business. Yeah, but like as with as with Giovaletto, you know, you know, I'm biased because I I tipped the horse up at 33's anti post on the Monday before, but it's like. The winning margin is all very well, but you know if you check up to that degree, you're not mm. only losing that distance, you're losing the momentum as well. I mean, do you let? I would have really look. I took fully on board. The winner was a two length winner, full value for it. I don't, I don't think at all that anything I would have would have beaten that with a clear run. But yeah, Giovaletto was gonna, I think, would have finished a comfortable second. He, you know, Frankie. I don't know about Dylan giving Frankie a right hander. I would have liked to. I, I would have. I, I would do as well because. This guy, you know, this guy, I, mean, I, I was watching the race and I thought, don't do it, don't do it. You, you could sense it coming. And he dropped it and he really had to rein back. And he's lost, I think he's lost a couple of lengths. He hasn't, he's probably lost near enough of what he was beaten. Now, like I said, the winner was dominant at the line, but Giovaletto, I mean, I, I think he was really, really badly done to. And uh, like I said, I, you know, what was the last? When's the last time a classic winner got? You know, a, a, oh. a, there was a disqualification. Be- Beckett, 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 Beckett again. Yeah. Simple verse. Oh God, yeah. Same, but, same um, bloody race. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, they're going to appeal. I, I, geez, I don't know if I'd be appealing that now. No, but like yeah. I said, yeah. you have to. You know, uh, I think Giovaletto was was the second best horse in the race, and I think fully, fully on board with the decision to disqualify, only because I got some each way money back. Um, <laughs> But I, I, look, I, I, talking about the winner being, you know, four to one for the Champions Cup against the likes of Kiprios and Trushan or Stradivarius, if he still exists, and you wouldn't go any. I wouldn't go near him at fourteens. I mean, that that has got to be one of the worst classics in, in recent years. You've got an eighty-nine maiden, eighty-nine rated maiden winner, El Habib, being beaten five lengths. You've got one hundred and five um, Haskell, one hundred and four Giovaletti going to the race. It's it's very 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 difficult to rate highly. I mean, I, I don't know what the official handicapper is going to put on it. I know Lou London was 115, and 
he wasn't beaten there. But I mean, anything, everything else in that finish brings the form down to a, a massive degree. So while I'm sure there's loads more to come from the winner, um, you cannot rate that highly. And he doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same breath the likes of Kiprios and Trushan as we've got to Ascot next year. Four to one's, four to one's very, very defensive. Right, strong view from Tony then in terms of those, the winning horse anyway going forward. And Kevin, it's only right that you have something to say on the interference rules here because you've been banging this drum for so long. Frankie's five days and a demotion. Is that the sort of, is that what you want? And did you expect um, that from this yeah, race? It was, it was fairly severe interference now, you know, and like imagine, um, imagine Callum had come down there, you know. It would have looked an absolute shocker. Um, look, I think the stewards, when they demote, they kind of take the view, which isn't the correct view. They kind of, ah, we've punished them enough. You know, we won't go hard on, on the days. Um, but look, everyone knows my views on it. I'm as sick as hearing them as everyone else. It, it looks like we're, we're getting some movement on it. The BHA are, um, have said they're going to review um, the penalty structures and the rules. Um, they don't seem to be going after it uh, with, with as much outward gusto as they've approached as they did approach the whip review um so we'll see what happens we won't um we won't start criticizing them until we see what they come back with but just the sheer weight of opinion within the industry that clearly isn't uncom- isn't comfortable with these rules uh, it's been interesting to see the racing posts um, have kind of belatedly really picked up on the issue in the last um in the last couple of months, seeking out lots of comments from people and various opinion pieces haven't been a little bit quiet on it before. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Um, you, you'd struggle to find a prominent player in the game that'll argue uh, the, the the counter, that the rules are perfectly fine and they should be allowed bash and bump and smash each other up without much uh, consequence. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, just two other things to take away from that. Um, what. Yeah. I should pay more attention to jockeys because I didn't know Neil Cannon rode like John Wayne in a finish. Um, wow. And two... <laughs> He's a close personal friend of mine now. Don't be slagging him. Yeah, well, don't, don't, well if, you, if you watch the finish of that race and think he's a stylist, then you are a very, very good friend. Um, and two, a question for you, Kev. I mean, Haskoy, well-bred filly, you know, obviously placed in the classic and obviously got to make... You, you still... You're not you're not deemed to have been placed in the classic of your four for you. No, no. If you're, if you're how much if she doesn't if she was retired now and she retired tomorrow with a third in uh, as ledger on a on a dance guard as opposed to a fourth, how much difference will that make to her? I know it's a judgment, but how much difference yeah. will it make in, in price? Look, it's it's a, it's a six figure jobby, you know. You can see why they're you can see why they're going to appeal. The stakes are very high. Um, so yeah, look, good luck to them. I, I, I yeah, I'd, it's not um, appeals isn't something I'd like to be betting on now. We've seen some funky ones, but um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to think. Uh, I, I wouldn't be going in with confidence. I think it's a hopeful one. You go in and you get you get a good solicitor and go in and tell as many lies as possible and hope for the best. But um, <laughs> I think can I just ask Kevin? Is is funky the word you use when you actually mean to use the word bullshit, but you can't? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I like funky. Yeah. Funky, funky's yeah. a good what, word. What's the equivalent for windy? <laughs> when you mention windy, what do you mean to say? Well, <laughs> well, windy. The, the whole thing, and I, I, I get asked this all the time because I think English people don't understand what windy oh. means. It's, it's windy, the opposite. Windy, windy, it's the opposite of like solid, right? If you have something solid, the wind won't blow through it. But if it, if, it, ah. if it's if it's a little bit less robust, the wind holes in it. Wind will blow freely through it. So windy, yeah, full of holes, etc. Not tell robust. You what, the worst thing you've done in recent months, you've got you've converted Dan Barber into into saying that Goldilocks bollocks and that the overly old thing. Now you can't talk now because I've got you saying um, I've got you saying we'll take fair whacking and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah well, that's, that's understandable. When we say I was giving a real Goldilocks ride, I mean, what the bloody maybe I was going to say something else. Do- I think we should release at Christmas time because it would be a top seller on Amazon, like a Betfair dictionary, like a dictionary of all the ridiculous phrases we use and an explanation of what they actually mean. Blake's racing for Saurus. Yeah, Yeah. we want that. Um, Look, let's keep driving on here. Let's stick with the stayers still, just because a quick mention to Trushan and Coltrane, obviously Coltrane beating Trushan in the Doncaster Cup. Um, I didn't think Trushan looked overly comfortable in the closing stages, Kev, and Coltrane train is just solid improving stare at this stage 
it just wasn't Holly's day. You know, it just wasn't Holly's day. This this wasn't a great ride. Um, he you he, can't he say was, that Neil Callan's friend. <laughs> uh, look, he was he was. We know what Shershan's like. He's a difficult ride. Um, I thought a good one. He settled better than ever, and that's all, that almost got Holly in trouble there. And that she, he ended up a bit further back than than she probably planned and expected to be. Whereas here, he did latch on a little bit early, but like it was real exaggerated. Um, hold up tactics like you know rain back to last and almost became detached and last and um they, they were they were as they say in America you know there's more was was walking the dog up front you know going very steady um left with a lot to do long straight and Doncaster maybe made the move a little bit early you know panicked I think it's fair to say um ended up with a whip ban um, which in those cases is often reflective of of just panic like oh god I'm a bit out of my ground here. Um, I'm two to nine. This isn't going well. Um, quack, quack, quack. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, look, the horse didn't help her either. Kind of edged around, wandered around a bit. It, it was a mess. Look, Trushan's the best horse in this race, you know, probably by a margin. Running again 10 more times. And I'm back in Trushan every time, whatever odds are giving me, I think. Um, but this was just an example of sometimes you're the best horse by a margin. And circumstances just just, just go wrong uh, and, and, and you get beat. Um, and for me, that's what happened. And then that takes anything too much away from Coltrane. Um, and Liz Moore for Henry the Bromhead ran an absolute stormer. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was roaring her home if I'm perfectly Aww. honest. Um, but yeah, I think this, this was really a race that Trishan would have won most days, but um, things went wrong. Yeah. And like you say, he probably is, well, he is the best horse in that race and things went badly for him. Uh, Kin Ross is the best seven furlong horse in the group two park stakes and everything went right for him, Tony, on the day. Uh, this was obviously pre the St. Ledger and um, a second group two win for Frankie. So his day was going well until the St. Ledger. Uh, yeah. But this horse, I mean, he's just a proper weapon over seven. He's like a proper seven furlong soft ground hero. Essentially, it's a niche yeah. market, but yeah. he's in there. If I didn't, if I didn't hate Frankie, but after the ledger, I, I hated him for giving Kim Ross a, a brilliant ride to beat New Energy. Um, <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of rate, a lot of pace in the race, but he hit, he had the horse at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I think Oshie and was probably taken a little bit out of his ground on New Energy. He was closing really well, but you know, Frankie gave the Frankie gave the winner a really, really good ride, and uh, probably had more in the tank if it uh, if it was needed. So I reckon, I reckon I know who you'll be backing in the foray if they take each other on, TC. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, ran, he, ran, he ran a belter. He ran a belter. Just it was Kinross was just that little bit faster and better positioned, kind mm. of two out, wasn't it? And New Energy's powered home. And Sheila mm. Lavery, for all the talk about, for all my talk about her stable form, yeah. um, she went and had a winner on, 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 mm. at Leopardstown on Saturday, which you know certainly raised hopes for New Energy. And they, hopefully for her, they seem to be turning. We actually saw a lot of Sheila over the weekend because she came over herself with New Energy on, um, on Thursday, I think, uh, and she stayed put. So she missed her winner at... Um, at Leopardstown, she was she was watching it in the in the hotel at uh, at Doncaster. Um, there, were, there was quite a few in that boat. It was it was a weird few days, but yeah. um, yeah, I think if he goes to the foray, um, he'd have a he'd have a very good it's chance. A big draw race that though, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I I thought he was. I thought I wouldn't say he was unlucky, uh, but yeah, he was. You know, we talked about him on the podcast, and he was he was sixteen to the sports book, and I know there were a couple of non-runners, but he was really really well backed. And yeah, maybe one that got away, but I I, I looked at the race even through you know punting goggles, and I just thought you know the winner was probably the best horse on the day. Yeah, fair comment. Um, now look, there's loads of horses that we should be talking about for the weekend that we just don't have time to discuss. Uh, above the curve being one of them, and oh, yes. amid others. Um, but with no, no, Kevin, we're going to move on. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> that's it. You don't. We don't have time. We're going to get. Bollocking for my boss. Yeah, so, wait, wait, uh, wait to see if she does when she's fit. <laughs> okay, that's that's the only comment. And we, we should mention here. that Eve Johnson Houghton snaffling 147 big ones of uh, your Irish money with uh, streets of gold. Yeah, and just Charlie, general... Char- Charlie Bishop taking out half the field to do it. <laughs> and, just, and, and just the general tone of the English coming over and robbing a bit Don't of the bash the bishop, money. Kevin. Don't yeah. bash the bishop. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's, uh, I tell you, it, it didn't transpire in the, in the six furlong handicap on the 
on the Sunday, they didn't have as strong a hand, Vanessa, but you'll recall I, I highlighted the record of British trained Raiders in these yes. five, six, seven furlong handicaps. They absolutely down like the first, second and fifth in the seven furlong handicap at um, at Leopardstown on, um, on Saturday. It, it remains the best system in racing. Just back them all, lads. They keep but winning. Even, I, <laughs> even Mark Johnson had a winner, had a handicap winner at Leopardstown. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's the yeah. one, yeah. Just the theme of the weekend. Yeah. Just, just um, back them all. Guys, a few talking points just to tick off to wrap up the show. We're not doing questions because we're already near an hour and we've just had so much to cover and we've not even successfully managed that. But there was a few things you wanted to mention, Tony, one of which is the tote return situation. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm, explain, expand and explain. I, look, the, the Whirlpool, obviously, they do a lot of paid-for editorial, et cetera. And I've got nothing against that. I mean, we had Aidan O'Brien lauding the initiative uh, last week. And like everyone you speak to saying it's a must for racing, new money into it. I've got no problem with that whatsoever because it clearly is a, a great initiative and it will clearly put, you know, money in, cof- uh, in coffers that are, you know, badly in, badly in need of it. But one thing I do, I, I, I'm a big fan of transparency. If you're going to do something, do something properly. And the tote returns on ITV and on the Racing Post and I gather on Racing TV as well, they all round it up to the guaranteed pool. So, for example, on Doncaster on Sunday, seven of the nine races, the the tote dividend returns was the same as the industry SP. So quite clearly, the returns were less than that, uh, the actual dividends. And there were only two returns that were, were, were bigger than the industry SP, and they were Coltrane and Ashdad, and they were 60p and 10p above the industry SP return. I just want the actual dividend return. I don't care if you're guaranteed it, uh, you're guaranteed the, like, to match the industry SP. I don't care about that. I want to know the actual returns returned because subsidies and guarantees will not always be in place i want to know the strength for these pools i want to know the actual return so i've got nothing against the concept i'm fully behind it uh like i said they're going to bring you only have to listen to you know clerks of the course like um and and, and mds of courses like um and ceos like adam waterworth saying how much money the tote pool and the world pool is going to bring into the likes of goodwood so i've got nothing against that so don't don't think it's like me having a go at that. I just want to see the actual returns. And the other issue I had, there was a story last week of um, uh, the Doncaster um, management, or they were they were looking at people buying from touts on the on, on the outside, and there were thirty one people who bought off touts, bona fide tickets, went to get in and were denied access and say, no, you have to buy another ticket now. If they if, if if this was rolled out across all courses, you remember if remember if uh, just think about it, if that happened at the likes of Cheltenham, there'll be an absolute riot. I mean, I, I just think they have to they have to look at that. Uh, and even even if it's just going out there and physically saying to people, do not buy off these touts because you won't you but won't, they, you won't get I mean, in. yeah. You are told at most. I mean, I I wasn't at Doncaster, so I can't I can't vouch for what the situa- situation was with this outside the gates. But I mean, most race courses, Ascot, Cheltenham, the, the big meetings, it's on the tannoy, and there's yeah. multiple signs and signage advising you not to buy tickets from touts. So just, if you then go ahead and do that, you are going to be denied access. I mean, it's yeah, not how many, how many people listen to tannoy announcements? How many people? <laughs> They actually physically looked at people buying the tout. Obviously, obviously, so they obviously followed, must have followed them through to actually gates and just say, no, sorry, you just bought that for tout because I've just watched it. That that seems to me a bit unscrupulous. Kind well, of they, won't, they won't do it again, TC. Hey? <laughs> but no, no, because they won't go racing again. Well, the, the thing, the one thing I'd say, and I just saw an example of it myself in recent days, is that there is like a really industry across like the entertainment industry, hospitality, there's a big clampdown on touts. And like, for example, my, my, my wife there had a couple of tickets for Garrett Brooks there this weekend and she, <laughs> she couldn't go. And they actually like Ticketmaster give you the option to, you know, sell the tickets back to Ticketmaster or you can like do an official transfer to someone through Ticketmaster. Like it's all with a view to to reducing the, I suppose the, I don't know what you call it, the black market trade on tickets, um, because they're just trying to crank down on that. And um, look, I know I didn't, I wasn't outside Doncaster myself to hear it, but I've heard it outside other British race courses. You know, you couldn't miss it now walking into Ascot. 
you know, they have over the tannoy, like, you know, touts an operation. I do not buy tickets this is, touts. This is the first time I've actually heard of people going up to that with actually, like I said, bona fide ticket being say, no, you can't come in with that ticket. You're going to have to buy another ticket. So it's, I, mean, look, yeah, it's, it's I assume they're buying them cheaper or something because there's tickets on the gate. Like, so I don't know why you'd buy off a tout on bar you're getting them cheaper. Mm. Um, I, I'm guessing, I don't know. Um, and just, just on the total returns thing, like I can see what you're saying, Tony, and like there's certainly a case that though that the actual dividends should be published, you know, on the total website, we'll say, but in terms of what the broadcasters give out and the race and post give out, I think the most relevant thing that people want to see is what they get paid, you know, and, and for information purposes, you know, the actual dividends, you can certainly make the case that they should I mean, be for transparency, be, be published on the website. But I don't think you can put them out on the broadcast. Yeah, you like can't, that. It would you, just confuse people. You can't have websites of record like like the Racing Post. Just just literally. There, there was one. Oh, uh, it was um, there was one. I can't remember what it was. It was a five to six chance of one. And the and the total to return was one point eight four. I mean, come on. Just give me just give it. If you're going to do it, pay it out on the day. Fine. But as a matter of record, just put down the actual what the actual dividend was. Yeah, and just on that, the, the Whirlpool, um, I just got the press release this morning. There was just shy of 30 million bet into the Whirlpool at Leopardstown alone, you know, which is which is which is some figure. I think it's up a third and last year. Like it's been, been a big success story yeah. in fairness. I know we have to up. I know we have to wrap up, but go on the Racing Post website. They actually give out the actual returns from the Lapcar and the Leopardstown as well, and that's the way it should be. Is there a guarantee okay. for those? I'm not sure if there is, but maybe that's why. We are we are in need of wrapping up the show before Barry fires us all because that's the sort of bloke <laughs> that he is. So <laughs> sorry, there, there is a total guarantee at Leopard Sound. Don't mind that. Yeah, that's big. There you go. Um, so that yeah, that does indeed wrap up the show, guys. Thanks as always, and sorry we had to rattle through so much, but obviously we want to keep you engaged, keep the show, the show snappy. Um, we will be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better, uh, so do stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoyed the weekend, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>